0: Enterprising, unique, thoughtful. Those are just a few words that can describe my first guest and actress, April Mathis. You may have seen her star as Tony in Tony Stone off-Broadway, or as the narrator in Help, also off-Broadway. During her time on stage, she has created roles that have illustrated the fullness of Black women in their humanity. She is currently making her Broadway debut in the Broadway production of August Wilson's The Piano Lesson. It is my honor to welcome Obie Award winning April Mathis as my first guest on The Mirror Elizabeth Show. Hi, April. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well, and it's so good to hear from you. Um, Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. And you didn't know this, but you're actually the first guest on my show. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, thank you. Great. Yeah. The bang. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for joining me on the first episode. So if you will, I would love for my audience to get to know who you are. Who is April Mathis?
1: Who isn't April Mathis? Mm,
0: interesting. Um,
1: no, I'm I'm joking. Uh I'm an actor in New York City, originally from Texas. Um I've been uh acting since about uh over 20 years now. Um I'm originally from Texarkana, Texas. I went to UT Austin undergrad as an English major. I've been in New York uh, since 2001. I started off doing uh, theater uh, downtown uh, in New York's kind of uh, experimental theater scene and uh, have worked in a lot of different uh, world premieres of new plays in New York City uh, and also uh, regionally and internationally and uh, have also done some television and film work and a couple of independent uh, film projects and um, also co-written an independent short film. And currently starring on Broadway alongside Samuel L. Jackson, Danielle Brooks, and John David Washington in August Wilson's The Piano Lesson.
0: Wow, that's awesome. You've come so far. So now you've made your Broadway debut and you're officially a Broadway actress. How does that feel?
1: Feels good. Feels lovely, nice, cool, and awesome.
0: And how did you decide that acting would be your career?
1: It wasn't until I took this class in college, my last year of college, that was called Actual Lives. And it was cross-referenced with women's studies and uh, performance studies. And uh, it was kind of like a performance art class. You could kind of do whatever you want, make your own performance. And the idea was uh, anything can be performance art. Like we're all performing a version of ourselves when we, you know interact with anyone that's that's that could be considered some type of performance um and so i got really interested in it that way and from there i uh just took it upon myself to start auditioning for plays locally in austin and got cast in uh a play and just started acting from there so yeah by that time i was like in my early 20s when I thought, oh, this is something. this This makes sense. This is what I've kind of been doing at home and in, you know, in my imaginative play since I was a kid. And now there's an outlet for it.
0: Right, of course. So, as we were coming up, did you have any favorite plays? Um, it's interesting because I didn't grow up seeing a lot of theater.
1: Uh, as I said, we were in a small town. So I think the first play I saw was some like children's musical where, uh, there's that song, there's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. Do you know that? I think I've heard of it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is, but I saw that and I didn't think that that was for me. So, um, I would read Shakespeare in English class and, uh, you know, I was interested in that. Uh, I think once I got to college, I, uh, read cat on a hot tin roof and a friend of mine, uh, and I, uh, react reenacted some scenes from that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't, grow up seeing plays as much as, as reading them. So, yeah. I mean, the reason in the sun, I think that's probably the thing I had the most connection to, but again, I hadn't seen it done. I'd only read it.
0: Of course. And that's a classic. And so since you say that you weren't surrounded by a lot of theater, when you eventually were and started getting casted in plays, do you have, any influences do you have any influences now
1: you know carrying a film or carrying a a play uh i've done i've done both and they're really satisfying but i i am really interested in people who make unusual choices and people who get cast in unusual roles um it's been really interesting and inspiring to watch uh Viola Davis's career because she started off in the theater. And uh, I haven't seen her perform on stage because she was performing on stages kind of before I got to New York and before um, she was on my radar as a stage actress. But uh, of course, I admire her television and film work. Um, I don't think it's the same kind of acting that, I necessarily uh, identify with as far as my acting style, but I like how she's been able to executive produce and create interesting roles for herself, like Woman King or um, uh, How to Get Away with Murder. Um, And, uh, you know, and at the same time has done pretty much everything you can think of. She's done Broadway, she's done off Broadway. Uh, she's been in Tyler Perry movies. Um, she had her own TV detective show. Uh, she's done action movies at this point. Um, so I, I admire, uh, her career versatility, but, um, as far as acting style, I think it would be more of those character actors and, uh, um uh, yeah, I would say black female character actors uh there are certain performances that I like like uh Kimberly Elise in Beloved I thought was really amazing um Tandy Newton in certain roles um but yeah, I, I think I think what I'm speaking to is that I don't get to see a lot of opportunities for black, uh, actresses to just be weird and um, um, kind of undefinable. It's like you're a mom or you're a detective or you're a supportive wife or you're a supportive detective wife that's a mom. And uh, I'm kind of interested in uh, other things, other identities.
0: Of course, and that's completely understandable because there's already so few roles for Black women in the professional theater world, in the professional theater world, so that all those roles are in specific categories. So, I mean, it seems like the piano lesson is just a source of pride and joy for you. So can you tell me what a day in the life is like at the piano lesson on Broadway? Um. Sure, I'll tell you like
1: something like a two show day cuz that 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 is a whole day at uh the Ethel Barrymore Theater where we perform the piano lesson. So, um today is a day where I have kind of like the the morning to do what I need to do, live my life, you know, uh run errands, do household chores, um clean up look at another script or whatever I need to do. And then I'll head to the theater, but on a two show day, like Wednesday or Saturday, uh, it's pretty much all about the show. So what I will do is, you know, pack my provisions, like whatever lunch I'm going to eat or, you know, get breakfast out of the way or anything that I want to take snack wise, um, and maybe also some, some uh, comforts for between shows. I might take my uh, little portable Theragun massager for my back and neck. Um, Cause um, acting in the American theater, you it's uh, like repetitive motion. You're doing the same moves all the time. So sometimes you get stiffness in different places. Um, so, I'll bring something like that. Bring my tennis ball, also, to work out uh, any sore spots on my body, and uh, then I'll get to the theater. I like to get there like uh, about an hour early, even though I don't go on until an hour into the show. I still like to get there early, get my bearings, eat whatever lunch I'm going to eat before uh, get settled. And then uh, start the slow process of my putting on my show makeup because I have this very intense uh, navy blue smoky eye uh, designed by our, um, our makeup designer. And uh, I'll start to get into that. Then I'll go down, uh, for a moment of connection with the, uh, cast about five minutes before we go on. And, uh, then I'll finish getting slowly getting dressed. I'll listen to the first hour of the play. And as I'm listening to the play, I will, uh, get dressed into out of my street clothes into my undergarments, which are period undergarments. I have like, a uh, stockings and garter like my grandmother and your great-grandmother probably used to um, wear oh. under this dress and uh, then I'll have I'll, I'll get my mic on and my show wig on um, and then uh, well with the the um, wig supervisor will help me do that and uh, then the one of my dressers will come and help me get my garters fastened because that's the hardest thing for me to do um, and then help me get my get into my costume, my dress for the first look. And by then we're at intermission. And so then I'll say my lines out loud uh, with the recording app that I use where I've recorded like everyone else's lines in my line for the scenes that I do. So I'll say those out loud. Uh, I'll get my mic taped to me so it doesn't move around while I'm in the scene. And uh, by then intermission is over and uh, I'm uh, getting ready for my upcoming scene. So I'll usually check in with uh, Danielle Brooks, who plays Bernice, will kind of say hi, have a good show to each other, because this is the first time I'm coming on stage, and she's been on stage the whole first act. And uh, we're going to meet on stage later. So uh, when she's starting her first scene in act two, um, I will kind of get myself psyched up, you know, maybe singing along with her entrance music or, you know, looking at myself in the mirror in my dress and kind of dancing in the style of the 1930s. And then I'll make my way downstairs and uh, I have my little water bottle with me and uh, my mask because we're all supposed to be masked backstage until we go on. And so um, I'll listen to her scene and then I'll connect with John David Washington, my scene partner, and then we'll kind of prepare ourselves and then we'll dance into the scene. And so we do that dance out of the scene. And, uh, then I go upstairs and get changed, get out of my first outfit, uh, get into my second outfit for the second scene, uh, with the help of a dresser and, uh, get my wig looked at by the wake supervisor because sometimes it gets messed up in the scene. Um, And then uh, come down like, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes before my last entrance, do the show, uh, finish the show, and then go out, say hi to people, get some food, take a nap and get ready to do it all over again.
0: Your character Grace in the show is the girlfriend of boy Willie who wants to sell the family's piano. So Mm -hmm. I want to ask what do you bring to the character and why is she important to the show?
1: Um, Well Grace is very important to the show I think um, it's funny that you use the term girlfriend because it's actually like This is their first date, kind of. And so the idea is Boy Willie and his friend Lyman have decided to go out for a night on the town. And what you see in the first act is mostly the battle between it. the the first act establishes, like, here's the central issue of the play. Boy Willie wants to sell the family piano. His sister Bernice wants to keep it in the house and keep it in the family. He wants to sell it so he can get the land of these um, this white family that used to own their family and uh, sold their family for a piano, for this piano which has their ancestors' faces carved on it. So this is a really important family heirloom. And we get a little bit of a break from the back and forth between you're not selling the piano. I'm definitely going to sell the piano. And we see like, why do we care about these people in their lives? And boy, Willie is a single man. He doesn't have any kids. He just got out of jail. Um, He is not even really attached to uh, the North here in Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh Pennsylvania is where this takes place um where the family lives and where the piano is um he wants to go back to the south and uh become a farmer and like have land and build wealth from that for the for the family uh his friend Lyman on the other hand uh just got out of jail too with him. And uh, the police are still looking for him and he doesn't want to go back and work the land. He doesn't want to be a farmer. He wants to see what it's like up in the North. And so uh, for them going out is a taste of like, what what's it like to be in the North right now? What are the opportunities available for black people at this time period? And, um, what grace represents is there's a thriving nightlife, you know, there's black people who work during the day and then can enjoy themselves and have a little bit of disposable income to, you know, uh, buy some drinks, go to the movies, go dancing, you know, meet someone, have a relationship. Um, and, uh. If you're a woman like Grace, you can also like spend a lot of money on yourself and buy a really beautiful red dress and, uh, you know, fishnet stockings and red high heels, you know, and, um, uh, you know, get to feel pretty and desirable. And she, unlike uh, his sister, is not someone who has a child. She's a, a single lady and. You know, she has one boyfriend that, you know, took off with some other girl. And so she's kind of out and looking, you know, and uh, what's interesting about Grace is we see a woman from that time period who's as free as any man could be, you know, like the way that Lyman and Boy Willie say, let's go out tonight, let's go find some women She can say, let's go out tonight to her friend Dolly. Let's go find some men, you know, and it's given equal weight. It's not like, oh, well, she she shouldn't do that. It's like she yeah, she can do that. She has money. She she doesn't have any obligations. She she can have fun. And so um, what gets set in place dramaturgically in the play is we get to see boy Willie not focused on the piano and uh, getting the piano out of the house. We get to see him like just enjoying himself, like a person who's full of life and uh, is also charismatic and charming and sexy and can woo a woman like Grace and get her to come to his house um, <clears throat> and possibly spend the night with him. And uh So, um, I feel like in the second act too, it's so much about like these characters being alive as people, like what's important to them, like what's important about relationships. Um, Bernice has a guy who wants to marry her and, you know, she, her husband died three years ago. Um, her, her daughter's father passed away and, um, She has another guy who's who literally says to her, I'm standing here right now, Bernice. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be standing here waiting for you. So um, you have this sense of like the time to decide what you want to do with your life is now. And uh, uh, part of the issue with the piano is. um, Do you use the piano to make a future for yourself or do you use the piano to honor the past But one thing without giving away too many spoilers that makes Grace important is um, the life force that she is makes her also attractive and attracted to not only Boy Willie, but to his friend Lyman. And this figures the next day when Lyman is supposed to help Boy Willie take the piano out of the house He gets a little bit distracted because he runs into Grace. And so now there's a situation where um, Grace is still connected to the family. It's not just a one night stand. And um, the thing is, boy, Willie can't move the piano out of the house by himself. He needs Lyman. And if Lyman is distracted, then that's going to make it hard. Um, so that's all I'll say about that. But I think I I've realized that grace is there for a reason. She has her own take on the ghost. You know, she's a full person and she takes up space and, um, that, um, uh, just it, it's fun to get to do. And it's fun to get to be sexy and, uh, to seduce and be seduced, um, and that's something that in my kooky, offbeat roles that I seek out and I like, um, it for somebody like me to play uh, this kind of like saucy siren, It I feel like I make it a weird and interesting kind of kooky thing to be instead of like, oh, of course, of course she's gonna come in. It's like, wait,
0: what, who, who is that? Right, that's wonderful. I'm so glad that you got to bring that to the role. What was it like to be in a play and work with the likes of legends such as Samuel Jackson and Latonya Richardson-Jackson? What was the creative process like?
1: They made it really normal to be in the room with them. Like, you know, my first day in, I was supposed to, you know, swap my nose and do my own COVID test. Like, that's the first thing you do coming back, getting into a process. And I had my little COVID test in my hand thinking I was just going to go in this room by myself and take it. as soon as I opened the door, there's Samuel L. Jackson, you know. And so (laughs) it's like, you know, like, oh, okay, here's this super famous face that I've been seeing, you know, like, since I I was... Yeah, a, a very young person. Um there there's his face. There he is. You're working with him right now. Here he is. So I'm like, oh hi, I wasn't really ready to meet you. And he's like, Hi, who are you? I'm like, oh yes, I, I have to also introduce myself. But you know, other than that, like initial like, oh wow, he's yeah, this is yeah, this is what you're doing. You're working with these folks. Um Once I got over, like, the initial, like, there's the face, then it was just like, okay, now let's read this play. Now let's get on our feet. Now let's uh, see if we can remember our lines. You know, it was the same as any other process. Um, And, like, you know, maybe the difference is when we go outside of the rehearsal space or the theater space then there's a certain amount of attention that they get from like the world reacting to them because the world's not working with them in a way that makes it normal it's like oh my god and with John David it's like can I be your girlfriend do you have a girlfriend you know like Uh but inside the room I see him like being silly with the child actors or like eating chips or like working on his script. And it's just like, we're all just here doing the same job. We, we all
0: have the same job. Is there any moment of the show that resonates with you in particular? In uh, boy Willie's speech, uh, one of the last
1: speeches he gives to Bernice fighting for the piano. And uh, he talks about like, his heart beating as a, as a black man in America. And he, you know, he's like, um, some people get scared to hear nigger's heart beating. They think you ought to lay low with that heart. Uh, and and he goes on to say like, you know, uh, my heart beats just as loud as the next fellas. And sometimes it beats louder. And he says, the world is a, you know, uh, uh, white people don't like to see, like to hear a nigger's heart beating. And he's like, you know, I'm in the world just like everyone else. My mother didn't burst me for nothing. Um, the world is a better place because of me. Mm-hmm. And that really resonates with me in this time where I feel like the conversation about race in this country has changed to where it's not like Black people just want to exist, but like, of course we exist and we don't have to fight just for a little corner. Like this is ours. This is our birthright, our human right. We built this country on our backs. So we are going to take up space and demand the rightful place that we have in this country and it's 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 not just barely to meet up to uh some white picket fence standard but it's to our to our own standards and those whatever those are are as limitless and unique as we are and uh um that just that that part of his speech feels particularly loud to me uh in these last few years.
0: That's so meaningful. So I know that you are starring in a new play with William Jackson Harper coming up soon. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's a play called Primary Trust by Ebony Booth. And that's going to be at the Roundabout Theater uh, in the spring of this year. Um, And it's a really, really beautiful story about adult friendship, I'll say. Um Will, whom I've known for years from like the New York downtown theater scene, actually, you know, all those weird little plays that I was doing, he was down there doing weird little plays too. And we were seeing each other do our weird little plays Um, and being like the two kind of black nerdy people doing the weird plays in downtown. Uh, New York um so um it's his character is this guy who um, is kind of a, a a lonely guy but who has one very important friend uh that just so happens no one else can see and um I play multiple, roles, uh, a series of waitresses at this tiki bar where he's a regular. And eventually my multiple characters kind of become one waitress in particular that befriends him. And it's, it's kind of like about a man who had a traumatic childhood and like has had trouble Finding his place in the world. And it's about like this friendship that kind of helps him navigate his place in the world as an adult um, coming out of a childhood trauma. So that's how I can talk about it. But it's a really, really, really beautiful, beautiful
0: play. So, April, I've had a great time talking to you and getting to know you today. Thank you so much for being the first guest on the first episode of my podcast.
1: All the best to you. I can't wait to listen to it and uh, more
0: podcasts after that. And um, all the best to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Mirror Elizabeth Show. I hope you are inspired. Be sure to download, follow me on your socials, and stream the next episode.